It's a big weekend for us on the Manchester Weekly from the mill. This is our 50th episode. Thank you for being with us, for listening and for subscribing. We thought today we'd take you into the mill itself, if you'll allow, and into this podcast too. Why we exist, our story so far, and where we might go next. Welcome to the 50th Manchester Weekly from the mill. Hello, I'm Daryl Morris, and Yoshi Herman is the editor of Manchester's quality newspaper, delivered by email, The Mill. Oh, Yoshi, happy 50th podcast episode to us. Yeah, good little landmark, that. Thanks to our producer, Rafaro, for um, remembering that this was the 50th. <laughs> yes, yes. We couldn't do it without her on lots of levels, uh, yeah. and not, not least keeping a tally of how many of these that we've done. So we thought we'd hand over this week's episode, Yoshi, to a chat about us and about the mill and about your your journey with the mill so far and how this podcast came about and where it's going and sort of take people inside the mill and inside the podcast you are in the mill newsroom right now aren't you my friend yeah i'm in this little meeting room that we've got so we've got the sort of room where you've got people desks where are sitting so you've got uh, jack dalhanty in one corner danny cole in the other corner opposite me me in the third corner and that is the sort of basic mill team. And then we have, you know, Sophie coming in a few days a week. We have Harry popping in a couple of days a week. Molly helps out when she's not doing the, the, the post in Liverpool. And Dan pops in from Sheffield. He runs the, the Tribune, which is our offshoot um, sister publication. So there's that kind of room. And then there's really this room that I'm in, which is, as you know, because you visited, it looks very sort of vintagey and uh, old school because that's my sort of <laughs> style. But I've got all this furniture off Facebook Marketplace and it's got old editions of The Independent and uh, the Manchester Evening News and the, and the Manchester Guardian um, on the wall. So, yeah, that, that's where I'm speaking to you from. It's like stepping into a 1960s, 1970s newsroom. It really is. It's very nostalgic. And I think, I think it sort of lends itself to the mill because of that, right? I think it's, I think it's nice. I think it feels really alive. And there's lots going on there. Okay, cracking setup, Yoshi. But let's go back to the beginning. Can you take me back to the first time that you published a story under the banner, The Mill? What was it? Gosh, that's a good question. So it was just over two years ago. Um, it was in early June 2020. I had only just really had the idea to do it about a month before. So I think I spent the first few weeks just speaking to people on the phone saying, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is a good idea? You know, you're talking people in the media, people who I thought might be potential readers in Manchester. Um, some of them are actually now our, our longest serving members, actually. But some of these people I spoke to on the phone. And then the first story was about an allegation that was going viral online that there had been some anti-Asian racism in a chip shop and that there had been a sector, effectively an attack on this chip shop because the attacker was sort of um, taking out the, his anger about the pandemic on, 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 on the people who ran the shop. I forget the precise details. But what I do remember is I quickly sort of thought, wouldn't it be interesting to try and work out how true the claims in this video really are? And what I quickly realised is it wasn't in the place that people said it was. And actually what happened in the video wasn't what people said it was. It was a video of a, you know, quite terrifying of this guy kind of going in and trying to smash up this shop and, and being really rude to the staff and, and sort of harassing them. But when I spoke to them, they said it actually wasn't 
to do with racism in this instance. And it also wasn't in a location that people said it was. And it took me hours of like, though I remember there was this circus poster on the wall of the chip shop. And I had to try and use that circus poster to try and work out where the, this viral video had actually emerged from. So I was looking up all these like local circuses, doing reverse image searches, trying to work out the colours on this um, on this circus poster that had been posted in this chip shop, and eventually worked out where it was and and, and did a story about it. And I think I think the newsletter went out to. I think it was 24 people or, you know, something in the 20s. So it was very, very tiny, mostly like my friends and, and family and that sort of thing. So that was the first one. And now obviously there are, I think, I think we passed 22,000 people on the email list yesterday or, or this week. So yeah, times have changed a little bit. Nice. Okay. And, and that was that's a proper, proper good bit of like journalism, right? That needs time and attention and care and detail. And that kind of, the, that sort of, it was the rationale for the mill, right? Wasn't it? Can you take us into the, the, the sort of process that built up to that moment of you pressing publish and, and why you felt it was necessary? Well, I think just one of the rationales was the internet is so awash with these viral videos, viral tweets, lots of stories written on sort of clickbait websites about those things. It's it's full of content, but it's sort of really lacking in anything that's been checked, anything that's been really looked at properly. And it's also lacking in, I think, like really good writing these days and, and, and where someone's really had some time to, to put some care into what they're doing. So I thought... Well, maybe there'd be an opportunity to do a sort of local media company that took on those challenges and really did try and check things out and really did try and give reporters time to properly look into things. And I don't know exactly where that idea had come from. I guess it's like when you work in in an industry, you build up all these ideas about how it should be different and the mistakes that are being made. And you, you, you kind of develop a hypothesis about how to make the industry you work in better. I'm sure I'm not the only person who has that. And I think this was like an opportunity right at the beginning of the pandemic. Well, I was doing a little bit of freelancing. I think I'd written for the Times a few months before and I wrote for the Telegraph around that time. And But I wasn't doing loads and loads of freelancing. And I think at this particular moment in my life, I thought, right, well, let's try and put some of my ideas you know, into practice. So that that's kind of what the mill started with. Where was your first office? Well... So when I first started it, I was, I was living in this sort of quite dark underground flat in Chalton. And the first kind of pseudo office that we had was a greasy spoon. I love a greasy spoon. So it's natural that our first office was a greasy spoon. And it was a, a place called um, the Metro Cafe in Chalton, right by the, by the Metrolink station. So when Danny came and met me, I think it was a f- couple of months after I started it, she st- came and met me once a week to discuss stories. When she was still doing her journalism course, we met in this place where I remember like the cappuccinos were like very, very overpriced. It was like, you know, four pounds or something to get a, a cappuccino. But in a, in a sense, they were underpriced because once I bought the cappuccino, I'd stay there for four hours and, um, and do my work on this one table by the window. So that effectively was our first office. And one of our early interns has actually um, immortalized that. They, she gave us a framed photograph of the Metro Cafe in Chalton. So if you ever walk past that, dear listeners, um, you, you can think of the mill. Nice. Very, very nice. Um, okay. You are not from Manchester, Yoshi. Uh, this is not your storm. You're sort of, this is not your home, is it? Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It comes across a little bit. So why? Why Manchester? Yeah, good question. I, mean, I think, you know, I wanted to live in the north for a while. 
and I'd wanted to do this kind of media company for a while. And Manchester just seemed like the right place to do it. I couldn't precisely put it on my finger on it. Like I think part of it is that I've always been a United fan and I wanted to go to Old Trafford regularly. I've always gone like after, you know, huge car journeys or train journeys to go to Old Trafford when I lived in London or when I lived in, in the South. And then it was like, oh, maybe actually it'd be cool to live in Manchester. I think the football was probably a big part of it. But I also felt that it was kind of, it's you know it's the, it's the next big city in in this country after london i've worked in london i worked for the london evening standard for four or five years on the features desk so i've worked for a sort of city newspaper i think i thought i understood how that kind of journalism worked and when i looked at the journalism that was going on in manchester it just seemed like you know it seemed like a shame given the the size of the city and the region and and how much pride there is and how much going on it seemed like the Manchester Evening News was not like a, a publication that was fit for fit for the moment and fit for that city. So I thought, well, maybe if I try and offer something a little bit different, people might like that. But that that you know that was quite a sort of speculative effort at that point. But I suppose that they're probably the the mix of reasons why I came here. Mm. So there was a bit of a leap involved, I guess. Is there? Um, okay. I mean, you talk a lot about the sort of economics of journalism, right? And the way in which the, the, the drive to clicks and to promoting perhaps SEO, which is search engine optimization over journalism, etc., has been a big part of you setting the mill up. Is it viable? Yeah, I think as a, as a business model, having subscriptions like we do is viable. I mean, you know, the mill is effectively at break-even point if you take away our sort of marketing spend and, um, you know, it, it slightly depends how you how you assign different costs. But the mill is not a million miles away from being profitable at all. Our subsidiaries, um, sister websites in, in Liverpool and Sheffield are well on the way to, to reaching break-even as well. So it's definitely a good model. It's definitely a model that can sustain a small team. Can it sustain... Based just on based on subscriptions and a bit of advertising, can it sustain like the kind of massive local newspapers that used to exist? I think the jury's out on that. You know, you'd need tens of thousands of subscribers, and we've currently got a thousand four hundred and fifty people paying. So, you know, I know that at this kind of scale, doing this kind of journalism, that it can be viable. And obviously, the kind of journalism we've been doing has been going down really well. So, yeah, I, I do feel confident about the model. But I'm always kind of a quite an impatient person. And I'm always trying to grow faster than than we can strictly afford just on our income. So I have put some money into it myself. We got a grant from Substack to help us grow as well. So I guess I've probably grown the costs and grown the team faster than you would if you were just making sure it was strictly break even absolutely every month. But it's not massively loss making. It's you know it's um the, the mill the mill bit itself is is around the break even point. And so it is sustainable. It's viable. But as you know, Daryl, like. You know, there are, you know, two and a half million people living in the city region, or I think it's three million people in total almost, and, and you know, about one, two million adults or something like that. So we've got 1,400 subscribers. There are an awful lot of other people there who need to be paying for a thing like this for it to reach like a really big size. But I think we punch above our weight. I think we do a lot of really good journalism that um, you wouldn't expect a very small team to be able to deliver. And I think as we get to 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 paying subscribers, we'll be able to afford um, to do even more. So um, I think the answer is yes. But, you know, obviously, until until we've got a team of 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever, I don't think I'll feel like it's reached its its real potential. 
Yeah, and then there'll be the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, I'm sure. Um, yeah. We're, we're now talking on a podcast, uh, Yoshi, and so here we are, 50 episodes into the, the sort of podcast arm of The Mill. Why did you want to do it? You, you, it's, it's about, what is it, about a year, perhaps, that you and I uh, got together and uh, had, a, had a chat for the first time, and we introduced this prospect. What, how did it come to you, Yoshi, and, and, and why did you feel like this might be something that you'd want to add to The Mill? Well, it was me, you, and Paul Fernley, wasn't it? Um, who, who works for Audio Always, who, who, who we make the podcast with. And Paul had the idea that you could turn mill journalism into like really good audio content. And I felt, as someone who listens to loads of podcasts, that there are just things you can do with audio that you can't go do with text. Like I've always been a writer and an editor of text, and I believe in that format, obviously. But there's just stuff you can do with audio that you can't do um, with written stuff. And, you know, we're talking about capturing sort of live moments and really bringing like the kind of people's voices to listeners. And I think there's loads we can do with it that we haven't done yet, but we just felt like there's that. There's also the fact that there are people who just prefer audio, they prefer, prefer to listen to things. It felt to me like a really good mix. And the fact that we've now got lots of people listening every week, I think is a testament to that. But if I thought like our type of storytelling is quite immersive, it's quite about taking people on a journey and audio is really, really good for that. So I think that's why it's been a good partnership. It's been a partnership between the mill and and you and audio always. And, you know, Rafaro has been producing it almost from day one. So it's been a, a real team effort. And I think it's interesting when you meet people who are podcast listeners to the mill, they're not newsletter subscribers like I've I was on a night out with a bunch of you know um cool people in their in their 20s and they were saying one of them one of them said oh yeah I've heard of the mail and you know he had primarily listened to it he'd primarily come across the mail because of the podcast so it's cool that I think we're reaching different types of people uh, younger people often than people who, who get the newsletter and I think we're giving our stories like a, a broader audience and we're able to do a type of storytelling we aren't able to do on on, on the on the website in the newsletter so that's why i think it's been cool i mean i suppose i should ask you the same thing like you know why did you want to get involved in it originally that's a very good question and i i, guess, I think all of the same reasons really i think that i like the story of the mill and i think there's a lot of people who are with us who listen to this podcast because they like the story of the mill because they buy into it i like you i bought into you i think that what you've achieved so far and what you have ambitions to do is Brilliant. I'm deeply worried about the erosion of local journalism at the hands of um, a business model that is, you know, that's killing it, actually, frankly. And I think that we're all a lot poorer for it. So I think having a platform that, you know, that, that sort of counters that, that's the antidote to that, I think is not only, you know, uh, nice, but also but necessary. And I, I agree that I think that I think that a lot of it lends itself to audio. And, you know, I'm I'm 15 years in the industry i started doing radio when i was when i was 14 years old so i've been i've been talking into a microphone pretty much every day since i was 14 years old and telling stories and bringing stories to life i also have adhd which has played into my career right and and sort of has gifted me with a unquenching curiosity for how people work. Some of that's distracting from the things that I need to get, get done, like washing up or putting the pasta on or, you know, finishing off that painting in the dining room, which I still haven't done. But it also it also keeps me really interested and thirsty uh, to, to know what's going on in people's worlds. And I think a marrying of what you do with the mill and, you know, telling those kind of stories in audio, bringing those, those stories to life in podcast form, it scratches an itch that I have. And... 
I think, you know, I think you're right. I think there's a lot that we can do with this podcast. And I hope that as we build an audience and as people come with us on that journey, you will hear that and you'll feel it and you'll enjoy it more and more as we, as we kind of, you know, we, we put more into it and we do more and we become more ambitious with the use of the format, you know, but basically I think that, you know, us coming together twice a week to tell the stories of this place that we love and that you are, you know, you've called home and for me, you know, always has been home. I think is a good use of my time. <laughs> Basically, that was a good answer. You know, was a, uh, yeah, no, for, for sure. I'm just as you were talking about that. I flicked through to my notes, notes I made right at the beginning of starting the mail, and I maybe it seems slightly deranged, but I uh, I wrote down the Manchester Guardian was founded in 1821 as a competitor to whatever, whatever. It only left Manchester and became the Guardian in the 1950s. And um, I, was, I was kind of looking up, I guess I was at that time researching like old Manchester newspapers. In, in 1845, the Manchester Examiner hit the newsstands. You know, then the Ma- MEN came along. There's a thing called the Manchester Courier that lo- lasted until 1916. I think right at the beginning, I was kind of interested, really interested in, and I always have been, in media history and how different publications come along and fulfil different needs at different times. And as I said on the wall right next to me, we've got clips from the from the Manchester Guardian in the 1950s and from the MEN in the, I think, the 80s. And I don't know, I just kind of felt like what I was starting might be within a rich tradition of people starting Manchester publications that meant something to people at that time and that had a constituency of people they really represented and had a moment um, that they were answering. And I I must have taken notes of all these things. And I think that that was what gave me some of the energy. It was like people have done this before in Manchester. They've started things that, that really made an impact. And, you know, I wonder if I can sort of do the same. So you know two years later or two and two and a bit years later um here we are and yeah it's been um been amazing to do the podcast with you daryl and um amazing to have this little team around around us now doing the kind of journalism that we really believe in given that um a couple of years ago it was just just me on my own mm. that is impressive hats off to you for creating something brilliant where what just finally what what is next where does it go what does the future look like for the mill and for this podcast i suppose First of all, I think we need to get an office with air conditioning uh, next next time we move because we've had a had a difficult week in the heat. I think there's just a huge amount of growth that we can have as we grow the team. I mean, clearly there's more we can do with this team. You know, uh, we're becoming more efficient. We're becoming better at finding stories. I've noticed in the past six months that as we get more and more sources. Uh, more and more contacts who who know us and want to give us stuff. We're getting more exclusives. We're breaking more new ground. So that's cool. And I think that will continue. But I think as we begin to grow the team, you just have the ability to give writers more time on stories. It's almost like I have the opposite objective to most of these kind of online publishers who want more and more stories out of each reporter. You know, now it's like we want 10 a day. We want 15 a day. I want the opposite. I want more reporters and more editors so that we can spend more time on each story and so that you could really dedicate a reporter to working on something for a week, two weeks, three weeks. I think that's where we're going. I think the more members we get, um, the more we'll be able to do that. So I hope we'll be able to add uh, um, more staff in, in the coming months. Maybe not imminently because we've got a good little team now, but I think as as we start to push towards 2,000 members, I think we'll be able to start to think about that. And, you know, every member that joins massively helps us. So if you're listening to this and you've been enjoying the podcast and you like the kind of journalism we do, please do join up at £7 a month or at 70 quid a year. And uh, you can you can really help us take our next 
next steps towards doing the kind of thing that that we've been talking about. And I won't ask you what they asked you when you appeared on BBC Radio 4's You and Yours uh, recently, Yoshi, which is how much do you earn? What's your what's your what's your <laughs> annual salary between you? <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that one for now. It, do you know what? It's a bit of a cliche, isn't it, to say that we can't do this without you? In this case, it's like it's very literally true. You know, the mill is all about you know being supported and generated, and it, it's it's readers kind of you know being there and interacting and chipping in with story ideas or comments and and supporting it. So thank you. Thank you for listening, whether you've been here for one week or uh, 50 episodes. Thank you for being a part of the Manchester Weekly from the mill. And thank you to you, Yoshi, as well, for uh, for believing in this and for, for spending a couple of hours with me every week. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Don't forget you can subscribe to the mill, manchestermill.co.uk, and hit subscribe. If you've liked this and you buy into it, you're passionate about it like we are, just hit subscribe. Perhaps leave us a comment as well to help other people find uh, the podcast, and you can get it in your feed every Thursday and every Sunday on the Manchester Weekly from the mill. <laughs>